when I knew what to manage and I had the numbers in front of me that he just provided, he gathered them, made sure they were accurate and showed it to me. Wow. Then I got to make real decisions. Then I began to drive profit. Then I began to double down on marketing that was working and get rid of marketing that wasn't working. I got out of home warranty companies. I mean, if you saw all the stuff I did for that next three months, I pulled out of four markets. I mean, man, it was eye-opening. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, brought to you by G4 Marketing. Interviews with today's top home improvement entrepreneurs about marketing, sales, money, mindset, and lifestyle. Now, here's your host, Brian Kaskavalsian. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. This is Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And today I am here with Mr. Tommy Mello. Tommy is the author of this book, The Home Service Millionaire. If you are in home services, actually, if you're in any type of contracting business, this is a, a book that you should have and you should study. Tommy is, and, and I'm going to ask him to share a little bit of his background, but he also owns and runs a company called A1 Garage. So welcome, Tommy. Appreciate you being here. Thanks, Brian. <laughs> Thank you for letting me uh, okay, doing so a dual podcast here. It's pretty cool. So yeah, my so we're going to do like a double this. podcast. We're going to do a double podcast here. I've done this once before. Tommy is now going to welcome his his audience in. So yeah, guys, listen. I, I got Brian. I call him Brian K because his last name is like Kafaskovskian. Kafaskovskian. Yeah, it's a long. Uh, you wrote a chapter in here in my book and then you came out with this book it was pretty cool the seven secrets to becoming a wealthy contractor as you sent me it when it was a transcript you just printed it out and and i gave you some feedback but it's amazing it's a short simple read brian's got a book i have a book you know we're both passionate about helping out home service businesses in the contracting world and we both have a podcast so we said hey let's kick it together and here we are so this is gonna yeah. be good yeah it's gonna be good so it's been a little while and the world has changed a lot just in the last six months. For my audience that doesn't know who you are, tell us, give us the like two minute version of, of your story. Two minutes. Well, I've got a garage for a company. I'm just a hustler from Michigan that I love to work. I love to make money. I love to go out and be able to pay the bill and not have to look at it. So I'm a hustler. I'm a marketer. I ended up getting an MBA. And what I learned there is networking and hanging out with the right crowd and surrounding yourself with the Eagles. As far as the stuff I learned, I wish I could have gone back and know what I knew now to ask the right questions. But I always figure out ways to, in my opinion, cheat. I call the winners up at every single thing. I'll find the number one guy at Google and I'll get him. I'll find the number one guy at door-to-door -door marketing and I'll get him. I aspire to be number one. That's one of my core values is I've got to be number one. I hate losing. I'm the most competitive guy you ever meet. And when it comes to garage doors, it's 40% it's of your curb appeal. It's 102% return on investment. It's a smile of your home. I say the same thing, but I'm passionate about garage. And I'm passionate about helping other people. So I have a podcast, The Home Service Expert, that's all designed and the, the listeners is giving these business owners more freedom in their life to do what they want. They might not need to be number one in the industry, but they need to be able to be better fathers and mothers, be better husbands and wives, and be better better at every aspect of their lives. And, and this is this business. We're turning contracting sexy again. It's a good industry. It's an essential industry. 
And if you listen to the people I have on my podcast and you have on yours, you get to learn what not to do. It's remembering what not to do, more important, and what to focus on. And one of the things I told you I'd like to spend some time on is learning how to hire around your weaknesses and having a strategy because too often we become firefighters. Too often we become problem solvers. And we should be designed to prevent problems. So yeah. why don't you do the same thing, Brian? Yeah, tell us a little bit about, tell us what A1 Garage looks like right now. So we're on pace to do a little over 50 million this year. I always like to stay at 20%. I'm a big fan of profit. You gotta make profit, profit comes first. Pay yourself first. I, uh, we've got 245 employees with about 50 on the way next week. My plan is to be roughly around 550 by the end of the year. We set up an amazing recruiting center. We've used software. We pay a lot of money for Predictive Index, Greenhouse, Spark Hire. I've got text messaging features. I've got affiliate tracking. More time, effort, and energy goes into the hiring process than anybody could imagine. And then comes the training. And the training is like top gun. You think you're good, but we're going to make you better. And with that mentality of making amazing people and, and not hiring from the unemployment line, we do a lot of, half my marketing is to hire employees. Great employees, there's way less time spent on them. They aspire to be number one. They're goal setters. There's a great image behind them. They recruit for you. They find you new customers. They make your life easy. And they're, they're, they're innovative and they've got their own thoughts and they work on the employee manuals and they, they make things better. So when I shifted during COVID, that mentality, it made sure all my goals could come true. So we're going to be, you know, a billion dollar company, I believe, in four or less years. And, and it's not even a question. If I'm still alive, you know, hopefully I don't have any issues right now. We are going to do that because um, I'm the driving force. I'm the CEO that just pushes the gas and finds the bottlenecks. That's my business. And then I love helping others, you know. We, we do a little bit of consulting and helping. But for the most part, I love that I'm still in the game. You know, so many people consult and they teach, but they never really were anything. I hated those teachers in my MBA program that never did anything but teach. Just like I hate politicians that never ran everything. Why are you in politics when you've never been successful at anything in your life? So that's my story. We have a lot of those, right? Well, you got the, between the business owners and the politicians that yeah. preach that never made it in their real life. It's just, I've came from zero I never had a golden spoon. I never had anything paid for me, not my school, not my house, never even had a loan from, from my family given to me for anything. So although they, they're the, the they're lifeblood of my success, I'll give them that. I mean, they, they, they brought me up, right? But what, what about you? Well, so yeah, so I own a company called G4 Marketing Group and we work with very successful home improvement companies all around the country. We do what's called relationship marketing. We help contractors create sticky, profitable, long-term relationships with their customers. We help them drive reviews, referrals, and repeat business. And I come from the home improvement industry. I built a, I built four home improvement companies. One of them I franchised throughout North America. And, and then the other thing that I do, very much like you, is I really... I'm very fortunate that my my main business, which is G4 Marketing Group, kind of runs on its own and it really doesn't need me all the time. And so what I get to do is do stuff like this, interview and talk to guys like you and bring it, bring that information through the podcast, the book, through our events, through our courses, through all of that stuff at the wealthy contractor, thewealthycontractor.com. 
And by the way, I'll plug the book. It's free. You can get my book, The Seven Secrets to Becoming a Wealthy Contractor, for free. Just go to thewealthycontractor.com and we will send you a copy. We just ask you to pay shipping and handling. So that is... Well, that, in that case, mine's free. Go to homeserviceminitor.com forward slash free. Of course. You, hey, you look, you, guys should have, you should have both books. You really should. I mean, if you're, yeah. if you're going to be, if you're going to do this right, and one of the things that, and, and Tommy was talking about this within three minutes of us getting on, on, on this call together about shortcuts and about how, I mean, look at your book, his bookshelf. I mean, it's filled with books, right? Why are you going to go try and reinvent the wheel when somebody else has already done it and they put it into words for you? Right? Well, I had 12 people put this into words. You were one of them. Yeah. 12 co-authors. Because I, I, wrote, I wrote the book. Actually, if you look at my bookshelf, I've got the original Tommy Mello version. And oh, then yeah, I said, yeah, it's yeah. not good enough. Let me cheat. Yeah. And I got 12 co-authors that are smarter, smarter and better than me yeah. uh, at a lot of things. So I just said, how do I find the best, the best of each thing? And, I, you know, we had a lot of fun putting it together and it was hard to finish it. But yeah. you're right. I, I cheated. I said, I'm not going to put out my own work. I'm going to get 12 people that are badasses. Yeah. So let me ask you this, Tommy. Obviously, you know, you're doing well. I love the fact that you're, you're a 20% guy. You know, when he said 20% before, what he was talking about was profit. Okay? Profit. Not gross profit, which is what a lot of you know. 20% bottom line. So if you do a million dollars, you make 200. You do 10 million, you make 2 million. You make 20. Do the math. Okay. And so what do you think? And you also talked about earlier about freedom. I talk a lot about freedom. When you're in business for yourself, you are the the business is only a tool. It's a tool for you to create the life that your best life, whatever that means for you. I mean, the way I live my life is probably a whole lot different than the way Tommy lives his life. But you know what? That's the beauty of it, right? So my one of my questions to you, Tommy, is what gets in people's way? What gets in the way of somebody creating a business that works for them rather than them being a slave to the business? Well, I would say 99.9% .9 of them look at it from a technician, technical standpoint. They don't think of it as a business owner, number one. Yeah. Number two, they don't save enough money and realize the cost it takes. So the whole three to five years is sweat, equity, and mistakes. And number three is it's a plan that needs to be executed correctly. To get a vision, they gotta have core values, they have to have a mission, and the best way to do that is to get out of your comfort zone and go visit somebody that you wanna become and breathe the air they breathe. Ask them the questions. Find out the marketing that they're using. Find out the rabbit holes they went down. Find out the mistakes. Read the books in that sector. Don't just say I'm a good technician, I should be doing this, because you've got leadership, culture, call bookings, software. Technology is what makes me different. Yesterday I did, I did a walkthrough with two guys of the whole business. We went over 16 softwares I use. They said, what is up, dude? You're a technology company. I said, yeah, I am. I just happen to do garage doors. Our recruiting software, our managing our fleet, we use two softwares. I use one active campaign to reach out to customers. I do text messages, voicemail blasts, handwritten letters, you name it. I'm doing things all technology driven. It takes me two hours bi-weekly to do my payroll for the whole stuff the whole freaking company where I know a company my size that has nine people on payroll. So it's, it's, it's planning. I need manuals. I need checklists, standard operating procedures, 
KPIs. I want to see a really, really, really nice organizational chart before you start the company of how you're going to look when you're $10 million. And I wanted you to circle the ones with the job descriptions, with KPIs, with what their day looks like, with jobs you could actually post. I want all this stuff written down and I want you to circle the ones you hate the most. Then I'm gonna have you create a depth chart to where each person could do both roles. Nobody's gonna keep you to the fact that if I leave, you're done. And then I'm gonna put performance pay into each one of them and focus on five KPIs per each one. And then what? I, that, that's just the beginning. And then create this vision that comes from a dream. And if you don't dream about it and you're not passionate about it, find something else. Because if your biggest reason for your why is that you don't want to work for somebody, good luck. It better be more than that because that's not going to keep you there in the cold, lonely days. But I know that was a big answer, but I, you could tell I just get into this stuff and it's- No, it's problem. good. What about, but what about the guy? So all of what you're talking about, I think is, is, is right on. And we, you and I say the same stuff. We say it in different ways and at different intensity levels, but- the, the only reason I think we say the same stuff is because this is, this is just how it's been done, right? It's not like you invented it or I invented it or, you know, my, you know, clients that do $150 million a year invented it. They went and they learned. They did like you said, is go, let's go see who's doing really well and let's learn from them. The, I love what you said. Let's breathe the air that they breathe. So how do you take that down? to the guy or, you know, I'm using guy interchangeably, but how do you take that down to a business owner who's just, they're stuck. They're, they're at a point where they're, they're on the truck as they would in a home service business and they just can't get out of it. They have so much to do every day. What's kind of their first step out of it? Well, they got to create an activity log, put every 15 minutes what they do from when they wake up, the big thing I want them to identify is their interruptions, what stopped them from getting done their main targets that day. Poor time management and non-organization. Crappy organization are the two biggest factors that fail small business owners. Great firefighters, but horrible at running a business. So do this and reflect on your day and say, what stole my time today? When did somebody barge in my door? What questions were asked? The same question I get all the time. And start to catalog, you gotta write down everything. When you write down an activity log, you say, stole my time, stole my time. Same question, same question. Needs to go in the manual. What should, what, on the back of your phone, write down the five main things you need to get done today and cross them out and make those. Don't let people steal your time. And when you hire on your weaknesses, my assistant organizes everything. My emails, she knows where all my podcasts are. She knows every single person. She knows how to respond to emails. She knows exactly where everything's at. And I do too, because she's gotten me better. She had to teach me how to get more organized, but she made me 10 times more effective. So I hired Adam. Adam's an integrator. I'm a visionary. He's everything I'm not. He's tied up in the day-to-day. -day. He loves getting into the CRM. He loves pivot tables. I like one page that shows me a vision of everything. Show me a bar chart. Show me who's winning, who's losing. Uh, he's everything I'm not. I understand the vision. My vision is crazy, but ultimately, I think the fact is that you got to slow down to speed up. So many people say, I need to make more money. I need to get ahead. But then they work more and they're chasing their tail. So you got to take one step back to take 10 steps forward. And a lot of people listening have a hard time doing that. They say, man, I'm really going good. I know there's a lot of problems and I'm sacrificing time in my relationship with my wife or husband's not that great. But sometimes you got to take sacrifices. And the biggest thing I'd say is I focus. I, I live in this tunnel. It's a rifle now. 
And I had to read a book, The One Thing by Gary Keller, and then I read Essentialism and said, I'm not going to be every good idea that comes to me, I'm going to say no to. I'm going to focus because if I could focus on this one time suck and big problem, I know I'll have a lot more for this. This is going to make it into my business journal of things that need to get done. And everything's a good idea, but they don't have any prioritization. And that's what fails them in the long run. You know, but that was that was one of the things that helped me personally about four or five years ago was that I was always, I've always been like, uh, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do this and I'll do that. And I started to say no. And I started to say no. And now I say more, no a whole lot more than I say yes. And that that's a great one. I think, I think as business owners, we're so like drawn to the opportunity and it's exciting for us. And yet a lot of times, and it's funny, you said you have to slow down to speed up. Charlie Gundell, who's been on this podcast a couple of times and, have, and has spoken at my events, one of the smartest people I know in, the, in any business, he said the exact same thing. He'll be the episode either before this one or the one before that. He said the exact same thing. You have to slow down to speed up. And I think that, I think you're absolutely right. You got to look at what are the things that are bottlenecking? What are the things that are holding me back from getting to that next level? And, and, and then start to get rid of those things, like you said earlier, and then start to work in those activities that are going to help you grow your business and get you where you want to go. Let's stop here and take a quick break. Now more than ever, you need a steady stream of profitable leads that are going to close easily and quickly with as little hassle as possible. Repeat and referral leads are the absolute best way to do that. But how do you go about generating more of these profitable leads systematically? At G4 Marketing Group, we have the whole process down to a science, and we have it all written out for you in the Referral Success Blueprint. We're making this blueprint free to you as a listener of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast, so you can start generating more profitable leads for your business today. Just go to www.g4marketing.com forward slash blueprint. That's G-F-O-U-R marketing.com forward slash blueprint and download your referral success blueprint for free. Now let's get back to this episode. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I think... You know, I, I don't know if as a business owner, I could say no. And I, I had somebody and I can't put my name on, can't put a name to it right now. But he said, as business owners and entrepreneurs, we like to say yes, because we know we could do it. So right. you just learn to say yes, but not right now. Yeah. And you build a list <laughs> right. because right. we love to say yes. So yeah, that's good advice. It's a little hard for me yeah. to say no, but I think, I think the big thing too, Brian, is we don't recognize the problems because we never knew anything better. So until you go see a culture that's amazing, you don't know what it looks like. So you think smoking outside and having 10 people out there and having affairs in your business and, you know, a thief is okay. I mean, I know a guy that has a bartender that he says, shit, he brings me a hundred guys in a day. I don't care if he steals a few drinks here and there because he doesn't know any better. So until you go travel and you, you save money and you learn, I just think you could save yourself a decade if you go into it prep right and you understand what you're going to go to do and then, and then slowing down. I mean, what, what has been, so you've done amazing in your marketing company and I'm sure 
it takes time is the end all cure all. But what were some of the obstacles you hit in the beginning? I mean, I'm sure staffing was probably all of our problem is how do you find great people? But what are some of your biggest obstacles? So here's what's funny. So here's what's funny is that what happened was the exact same thing that we advise business owners not to do become the technician. So because I built companies and I was really the marketing guy, what happened? I started a marketing company because that was the thing I was really good at. And for years and years and years, who did the marketing? Me, <laughs> right? I was the one that was doing the marketing. I was the one that was setting up campaigns with clients. I was the one. And, and, and finally, I just said, you know, damn, you got to stop. You got to focus on the business, not be, not be the marketer of the business. And that was, that was a big one for me. And then the other thing too, was just the being able to say, to say no and stay focused and having, you know, what was the other thing? And I know that you're big on this because you've just talked about it three or four times is metrics and numbers. Do you guys do EOS? Cause you mentioned visionary and integrator. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a ton of stuff on EOS. I've not like, studied it that much i just had both guys that do the eos on my podcast with mark winters and oh gina and you know wickman, wickman yeah. too yep yep they were just on those last few podcasts as both of them came on yeah yeah so the, so the eos system is an awesome system but it's built around metrics it's built around accountability which is awesome and and so one of the things for us and this is why you know i'm i i just i lose my mind when when entrepreneurs or business owners give me pushback on this is this is a numbers driven business. You have to know your numbers. And for the longest time, I mean, we knew our number. I watch our, our, our number, our top line, our bottom line. I mean, like a hawk, but when we really started to look at every metric in our business and really follow the metrics, things started to change. Talk a little bit about that because I know the smaller business owners, even big business, I'm sorry, even big business owners, that's not only a problem with small, is they don't quite understand the metrics and the numbers of the business. Can you talk a little bit more about that and the importance of that? Yeah, well, I I was a I was in a bad hole with a couple of my uh, CFOs. I got the wrong guys for that role. Although I've taken a lot of finance and accounting classes. I've taken computer information systems classes. I never became an expert at creating CRMs and getting the data I needed and the data integrity piece. But when I hired a CFO that I took him from a company in North Dakota where he was a CFO of a $450 million company. When he came into my company at the time, just under 30 million, he came in and he said, wow, this is good for me because I get to work with you guys. You guys are younger than I'm used to. He's in his early 50s. We're in our mid-30s. And he said, you guys got a lot of energy, and I think I could do a lot of cool things with you guys. So I learned about key performance indicators to the next level. He came in, and he said, there's going to be five goals for every department, and we're going to put numbers on these goals, one through three. And we're going to have three different goals for the year, acceptable, good, and great. And then we're going to find out what's going to impact the business the most in the second year is when it becomes fun because we, we got a starting point. But I'll tell you what, man, he gave me stuff the first month and I said, are you kidding me? I went and shut down a business. I went and fired four people. I got three people raises. I mean, it was nuts. When I knew what to manage and I had the numbers in front of me that he just provided, he gathered them, made sure they were accurate and showed it to me. Wow, 
Then I got to make real decisions. Then I began to drive profit. Then I began to double down on marketing that was working and get rid of marketing that wasn't working. I got out of home warranty companies. I mean, if you saw all the stuff I did for that next three months, I pulled out of four markets. I mean, man, it was eye-opening. So if you don't have anybody, if you don't learn how to read financials and have your CRM kick out key performance indicators that inspect what you expect, you are driving blind and you right. are going to get in an accident and it's not going to be fun. And that's by far the biggest thing that's happened in the last two years of A1 is we're going to be, I said to him last week, I said, Ross, here's what I need you to do. I want you to examine every one of the markets we're in. There's 17 of them. I said, I want you to show me how to get every single market to 30%. I want to know what we need to spend on overhead. I need to know how much we can spend on corporate allocation. I need to know basically every chart of accounts. I need to know where we need to be. I said, marketing dollars, what I think I need to be under 8% to hit those kind of numbers. But I've made efficiencies where most people, it's not because I charge super high prices. It's because I don't need nine people doing payroll. I don't have a warehouse guy anymore. I got rid of my expensive alarm systems because I keep a really small shop with nothing valuable. I looked at all the overhead and cut, 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 cut. Don't need more efficient, more efficient, more efficient. Renegotiated my expenses with my credit card merchant services. Got cheaper prices on certain parts that I saw a lot of. I've asked for things. I compete. I, I go shop our insurance twice a year now. This is all stuff, and you can tell I'm out of breath because I love this stuff. And it's yeah. like the blind leading the blind is where I was two years ago, unfortunately. Yeah. But we still made a lot of money. That's what's right. crazy is we still made money. But if you get above 20%, you're a well-oiled machine. I mean, what, what, about, what, what, what happened with, with when you didn't understand the numbers? I could only imagine. You heard my nightmares. What was yours? Well, I understood the numbers. What I what we weren't doing a really good job of was tracking those. The, we have certain our our KPIs in this business are different than the KPIs I had in the home improvement businesses. So, like in the home improvement businesses, we looked at how many inquiries came in. Right, inquiry is not necessarily a lead. It's just could be a phone call or a web form. Right. So, how many of those inquiries turned into appointments? How many of those appointments actually you know, resulted in a sales presentation. How many of those actually sold? What was the, you know, and on and on and on, these key metrics. And, and, and it's one of the things that, you know, I had a conversation a little while ago. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to mention, I'm not going to give any indication of who it was. But this is a guy that runs a company that's going to do about $5 million, he thinks, this year. A couple months ago, I asked him about June, because he wanted to know, hey, I, I think I might have a selling problem. I asked him, well, you know, how much money did you make? And this was like the middle of July. And he said, oh, I don't know. I'm like, dude, it's the middle of July. How do you not know? Well, because this and that, you know, anytime a, an answer starts with the word well, you know, it's not going to go good, right? I always stop people. The minute they start with the word well in their answer, I stop them and I say, hold on, that's not going to be a real answer. Anyway, so I spoke with him. I actually had a conversation with this guy today and I said, and I've been trying to get him to take charge of his, of his finances. And I said, he has a, a CFO or a bookkeeper or somebody that is paying a ridiculous amount of money to, by the way. And I, and I said to him, I said, dude, call, call them right now, send them an email, say, Hey, get us access to QuickBooks so we can look at your numbers. Cause he's not making anywhere near the money he should be making nowhere even close and he was afraid. He wouldn't do it. And he no. didn't know. He didn't know. He didn't know what his payroll, he didn't know what his, it's his scary. overhead. It's scary. Listen, 
Let me ask you this, Brian. Do you like to go to the doctor's office? When's the last time you got a physical done? Yeah, I don't really like it that much. But I no, went. did you go? Have you gone this year? I think I did. Yeah, actually, earlier this year. Or I hate going to the doctor's office. Yeah. Well, us logging into QuickBooks and us going into our bank account and credit cards, if yeah. we got somebody taking care of it, we say, I know there's money in there. I know I'm profitable. Right. But then when the tax bill comes, we go, I know I didn't make that kind of money. You yeah. know? And we you know what he just this. told me? You know what that guy just told me too, oh, by the way? Oh, it turns out we hadn't we hadn't paid our 2018 taxes yet. This is what he told me today. And I'm like, and you're not gonna go and get access to your books so that we can go in there and look at them. And he was afraid, deathly afraid of going and getting the access to his to his own financials. It you know, it doesn't surprise me because I've been in the same exact shoes that he's in right now to say, I know it's not good. And you almost got your eyes like, right. you oh, I have to. Yeah, and I you're agree. like, man, but when you learn, like, look, it's so much better to go to the doctors twice a year, get your physical, be preventative, find out what's going on. We have a financial quick check every single week. And I know exactly what every single expense is, how much we owe in the credit cards, what's in our bank account. My, my five executives, five, six, including me, on the C-suite, if you will. We all know what we owe. We know how much is in the bank. We know exactly what market did what. We know what we need to focus on. We know what to study. I study the outliers. We spent about an hour to two hours on this meeting. And we talk about what are our goals? Where are we compared to our budget? What are we doing right? How is this market failing? Well, there's a lawsuit in that market because of a car accident or whatever. But I need to know. I'm asking really good questions. Hey, let me look into that one. That's a really good question. How the heck did we spend this kind of marketing? Well, our, our guy in our PPC division forgot to turn off the PPC when those two guys got fired. Holy cow, for 15 days we were advertising when we couldn't run the jobs. Oh my gosh, what a mistake. That never happened again. So we built an SOP around that. But these are the things that it's, it's the lifeblood of the company, that financial quick check. Ellen Rohr is the one that I paid a lot of money to teach me. And she wrote about it in here and it's only yeah. a few pages. But and the biggest thing is raise your damn prices. Raise your damn prices. Oh, I can't tell you enough. I can't tell you enough. So many people go, you're a ripoff. I'm like, because you don't understand your costs. Right. You don't work out of a business office. You don't have nice trucks. You don't have an iPad. You say you can't buy a good CRM like Service Titan. You're right. You can't buy a service. You can't buy a CRM because you don't have the money because you don't charge the prices. You can't buy nice shirts for your guys. You can't buy them breakfast. You can't do anything. You can't even buy your wife flowers because you don't have the money because you don't have a business. And I hate that. I got to tell you, Brian, this is the biggest thing for me is the people that hate me, hate me because they're losers. They hate me because I have more than them. And they say, you rip off your customers. I say, you rip off your employees. Yeah. And I, I don't want to, you're absolutely right. And I preach the exact same thing. And if anybody thinks that, that, oh, he's ripping off because he charges higher, or one of my clients is ripping off because they charge higher, you're full of it. Because the, he's probably a much better deal for his, for his customers than the competitors are because he can back it up. He's got the best people. He's got the best systems. He's going to show up when he says he's going to show up. When they call the office, you're going to speak to a live human being. My trucks, my trucks will not break down. They're brand new. They've got the best insurance policy on them. I get new I get my trucks washed every week because it's important that my logos pop out. I get yeah. afford billboards because guess what? Because I charge enough for the billboard and I get enough because guess what I have? I'm congruent with all my marketing. My website 
and my trucks and my mailers and my yard signs and my radio ads, they all look similar where other people's are like, they get this wild hair up their butts for one month, they're gonna do Valpac, then Valpac doesn't return for them. So then they try Google, then they're like, then their buddy calls them and says, I heard you on the radio. And then they advertise for six months on the radio because their buddies, they're getting notoriety or whatever through it. And you know, you said something earlier, this is what tears people apart. I learned a great lesson from Jack Tesser. He runs a, a big, huge organization for HVAC Plumbing and Electrical. It's the best practices. Brain farted right now. I'll grab the, the thing right here. But he, he said, you can't have more than five direct reports. So many people, they try to have so many people they're managing and stuff starts slipping through. Yeah. You know, I see Jesus Christ only had 12 disciples and that's the Lord. So we should only have five. And when we get more than that, it becomes overwhelming. So you don't know where your metrics should be because you're focused on too much. There's fires popping up because we're managing too many things. Yeah. So I would challenge people that are just overwhelmed is figure out five ways to let them focus on what matters. Five ways to get the headaches and the time disruptions and the things pulling them away from what matters. Figure that out and have some time for your personal life. Have some time for your family and turn your phone off. And it's hard. And there's going to be a time where you might say this, I need to take two months, honey. I need to take two months to, to give you the life you want. You're going to see me working 18 hour days and I need you and the kids to be okay with that. But when I come in, we're going to be able to go on vacation. I'll turn off my cell phone. Do not make promises you can't keep. But you know what? So many, I've met husbands and wives say, what can I do to support my wife better, my husband better in their business? We didn't start, you made a lot of promises when you got into business, didn't you? that I'm going to support you, that I'm going to have a better life for our family, that I'm going to be able to take our in-laws out to dinner more. So don't ask what you could do for them. If you're the, you need to remind them of the promises you made when you got into business. And if you're not living the life you wanted, then either go to something about it, read some books or find out if that's your passion because there's blood, sweat, and tears. I earned my money with sweat equity. I don't recommend that way for anybody. If you could go out and save some money in the current position you might be in, if you're not in your own business and I'd go about it way differently but I've learned every lesson of not what to do. See, I'm successful, not about the 99 times I failed, but about the 1% because I took a lot of chances to get it right. Yeah. And you can tell, I, I got to tell you, Brian, I just get, I just drank iced tea earlier. So everybody's getting an extra shot of caffeine on this podcast, but I get excited about it. Yeah, you have a little energy, man. <laughs> hey, I'm drug free. Everything a gummy every now and then when I'm uh, just staying at home and it's 10 o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's legal, so. Yeah. But, uh, so what's interesting, though, to all of my, to, to my listeners and, and to Tommy's listeners, too, look, business is, is serious. There's a reason it's called business. It's serious. And you just heard a master class from a guy that's, and look, you don't have to do 50 million like Tommy. You don't have to build a billion dollar company like Tommy. But guess what? If you want to build a $3 million, let's say a $3 million business for you and your family net with a 20% net after you've paid your own salary, right? So you pay yourself a hundred grand a year, you make $600,000 in your $3 million business. The principles that we've just been talking about, those are the ways to make it happen. Have a vision, create a plan, oops, create a plan, surround yourself with good people, figure out the things that you're not good at. And have metrics in place so that you know, are we getting there or are we not getting there? Are these the people that work with me, are they getting there or are they not getting there? 
and that's and that's how you do it. And then and then you gotta you gotta have a little energy like Tommy does. Well, I want to do a speed round. First, I want to add there's okay. six things we should go over. We'll both give a tip, but get control of your finances. Read profit first. Understand that you need to pay yourself. Understand what the Bible says. Give yourself 10%. So many people, they get this savings tied up and they got their retirement and they, they figure out a way to spend it. Ooh, that new Jeep. And they figure out that they divest in the thing that brought them the money. If you're a roofer, do not become a real estate investor or own a bar because it fails. You can't focus on five things at once. You can't build the KPIs, the culture of everything. So many of us say we could own 20 businesses like Elon Musk but he yeah. built one up at a time and he hired the right people and he right. put them in place and he could afford it. So what I'd love to talk about is we're going to pick a speed round. You got time to do a speed round? One tip? Yeah, let's do it. We'll go, we'll go one tip. I don't know what it is, but. Uh, All right, so we're going to go. First one is the top tip for hiring amazing people. Oh, so, okay. So top tip is you got to have, you got to bring them into an environment where they can win. You got to be able to show them how by being here, you can win. And I think that's what, that's one of the ways that you're going to get really amazing people. Okay. My answer for that is people look in all the wrong spots. You hire great people that work for other companies, not in the unemployment line. You create something where they can win and you give them a manual on how to win. And the KPIs is the scoreboard. And it's very, very simple. The process in which you get the people is difficult to get through. It's like boot camp. So you should have personality. I personality index or um, I, I do things like background checks, drug tests. I get them a ride along. I make sure that they got to show up on time. I check how their car looks. Dave Ramsey walks them back to their car, looks inside or they clean people, but it's hard to get in. And I created my employees to be recruiters. And that's probably my best tip. So this one's a big one. This is the number one problem I see in home services, booking phone calls and understanding what a lead is versus a not lead. Yep. It's the number one thing. If I look at a company, it's the biggest hole is you guys don't answer the phones nights or weekends. Your conversion rate sucks. This person that's at a 42%, you've kept on for two years and you never even knew she was at 42%. So what is your tip for uh, booking more phone calls? So when I had a service company, we'd get 50 phone calls on a Monday morning. And I agonized over the inquiry to appointment number. And what we when we created scripting, and I, you know, we scripted, we scripted, we tried different things. I, I even went outside and I paid other people that were experts in the field of phone conversion sales. And we put a script in place. Then we taught that, we role played that. And then we not only did we look at the results, but we actually like listened to conversations. We had, we had multiple, not as many locations as you, but we had multiple locations and we would listen to their conversations and we would see, are they on the script? Are they not on the script? Yours is absolutely, they need a system. I, I'm not going to take credit for this one, but my answer to that is I hired an amazing call center manager and she built a performance pay that was either $12, which is minimum wage or the performance pay. I have people making over $30 an hour. Nice. Guess how many calls they're booking? Seven booked calls, over 90% booking rate with a perfect attendance rating. So there's five things we look at with CSRs, but I gave them a portion of it because I know a job's worth 500 bucks. Who cares if I got to give them eight bucks when they book that call? Right. So I put them on a system where you either can make a ton of money or you're going to quit. And then we're filled with winners. Yeah. This one's a big one too, because everybody seems to say they need this one, but I don't think they do as bad as they think, but marketing. 
I, you're a marketer and I know I'm a marketer, but if you're not booking the phone calls and if you're not getting a good at conversion rate and if you're not, you know, there's other things in the way. People say, I need more jobs, I need more jobs. I'm like, you need to book more jobs. You need to right. hire better people. Right. Well, everything's marketing, right? So, so, and what's funny is, is my mentor taught me there's two things you do not want to abdicate and give away. One is your checkbook. Marketing and finance. And exactly. And marketing. And so in marketing, you know, I'm, a, I'm Dan Kennedy. Dan Kennedy has been my, my mentor since the 90s. And he taught me about market, message, and media. It's a triangle. Market, message, media. Market is who. Who are you for? Who are you going after? How do they talk? Where do they live? What kind of cars do they drive? How much money do they make? Are they educated? Your, your, the message is critical. What are you going to do to get them to pick up the phone and call you? And then media, how are you going to get to them? And so when I learned those three things and how to put those three things together, that to me, that to me was the marketing. And then, you know, business owners just don't spend enough time on marketing and, and also realizing that marketing is not only advertising. Marketing is like you said earlier, your clean trucks, that's marketing. Your guys showing up in nice uniforms, that's marketing, you know? They wear booties in the house or not wear booties in the house or yeah, right now we have to wear masks. That's all marketing. Your customer experience is part of marketing. Yeah, no, you nailed it. I think you got to identify your perfect customer. I think the biggest thing we make the mistake of is, is we, we go in and we say, I need to do a little bit of everything versus picking one vertical, which is Google. Master Google, do SEO, get the reviews on Google. Your GMB, your LSA ads, your PPC ads, and your organic are where most of your leads usually come from. Don't get me wrong. Social media, TV, billboards, all that stuff works. But master one thing, 70% of all services are final line, 70% of that's Google. And the next thing about marketing is you got to ask, listen, give me seven people you'd like to refer over to me. And here's what you're going to get from it. Give me a review, not only on Google, but give me a next door. Give me a Facebook video real quick. Let me put this yard sign in your front yard. Also, can you hook me up on the BBB? You do that for me right now because you've already told me you, you receive five out of five service, which is awesome. If you do this stuff for me right now, here's what I'm gonna do for you for your time. Not for the five star, but for your time. Because you've taken the time. Everybody says, I've always asked for a review and I've got BirdEye or you know all these different review softwares. And I'm like, why not get 10 reviews? Why not, while you're doing the work, have them go to town if they love you. Create raving fans. It's a great book here that I, I tell people about. But marketing, I market three things. I market for great customers, I market for internal customers, and I market for acquisitions. I'm doing three things and I'm always marketing. Every time I get a haircut, yesterday I asked the girl she wanted to work for me. Every time I walk into the gas station, if they're kicking butt, I hand out a business card and say, you need to come work for me if you want a career because you are freaking awesome. So marketing's fun for me. Sales, what about sales? What's the best tip for sales? Sale, well, sales is about adding value. And so how do you become the company that's most valuable? And value comes from, you know, it, the customer experience. It comes from peace of mind and, and it comes from the product that you're selling. And to me, products are in home improvements are almost interchangeable. And so when we talk about product and adding value, it's about education. It's about having a well-educated customer, a customer that understands what what's best for them because it's all about them and you have to and then the other thing too is you have to have a process i'm sure if i was to come into a1 garage there's a step-by-step -step choreographed scripted eight step steps. by step 
a sales process so that when you have those people that are coming in next week and you're training them, everybody's working out of the same playbook. And that's one of the things that, that also, you know, drives me nuts is, well, how many salespeople do you have? We have three or five or 10 or whatever. Well, are they all using the exact same system? How often are you training? And no, they're just, it's personality based. We're just going to, we'll give them a lead and let them do their thing. Worst way you could run a business. Yeah, that is the worst way. You hit it. That's, you need a process. Two things. Well, there's a few things here. Number one is I hire people with tonality, eye contact, and body language. I could teach you anything. If that, I'll teach you the skills. I don't, so many people got there, they hire for the skills and then they take the personality. I have for personality, tonality, eye contact, confidence. So many times, and that goes into my next one, is so many people give options, good, better, best. Forget that. Best, shut up. Better, and then good. When yeah. I tell my guys how to sell the best first, you could always go down, you can't come up. The day I taught this lesson was years ago. I said, you will not Good. offer the bottom of the line ever again. You offer the top one. You know what happened? Five guys called me that day. They said they ran out of all the best parts. Yeah. We started running out of the best. I said, all you got to do is ask. Say it confidently, and your presentation should get rid of all the objections. But that was a really big one for me as I said, yeah, give options. Good, better, best. Oh. Everybody's going to go top one you're going to sell is better. Yeah. You'll never sell the best. But when you shut the hell up after you talk and you say, this is our best, this is what I would do if it was my house, my mom, the number one thing about this company is what would I do in my mom's house? And this is what I did for her. And if you say it like that, you'll get it. And you'll run out of your best and you'll start saying, making more profit than you ever made. Uh, two that. more here. Good. Um, conversion rate. What do, you, what do you do to increase? So you know conversion rate. When you get opportunities, how do you get most, more of them closed? Well, that's loaded. Which conversion? <laughs> so there's a number of points well, right? in your business. So all I mean for that is if somebody was thinking about for your business, using you for marketing, yeah, you got a, a one business. How do you convert more of those over to be on the lifetime value of a, how do they turn into customers? How do you turn potential customers into using your services? Oh, it's my service. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Then you can do the home service for me is if you're a painter, how many bids did you get? How do you increase that number yeah well look to me it's it's about it starts with so we'll go back to the process inquiry appointment demo sale or no sale so if we're bringing people on and setting that appointment the right way now of course this also you have to before all of that you have to have good people good people that are trained that are that you role play with and you're serious about my best clients by the way it was interesting what you said earlier my best clients aren't looking for people that already know how to sell they're looking for people with the right personality they're looking for that you know, do they have that rapport? Do they have that drive? Do they have ambition? They'll teach them the rest. They'll teach them the sales process. So if you've got that and you set the people up and you set up the, the inbound system like you're doing where you're converting at a high rate and you're setting that appointment right and you're building value into the appointment. So when your salespeople show up and they're doing a value-based presentation, that's how you increase your conversions. Is that answer? Does that answer the question? I mean, I mean, it's it's you know, I've always thought conversion rate is one of the five things I focused on for me, and it was a good answer. I mean, it, it really is about the right people in the process. But I've learned one simple thing: it's called ref. You build rapport, 
you educate the customer, and this is the one everybody leaves out. You've got to have a very strong follow-up process. You should see how many bids I get because they're like, you are so tenacious. Yeah. You know, what is it going to take, Brian, to earn your business? I am your guy. One way or another, if it's a price thing, listen, I've got financing. Apples to apples, I'm the best, but you got to understand, sir, I sell oranges. Listen, I want to show you, guide them through the process. Have a story. You know, have a brand story. And my brand story is, listen, my mom moved in a new house last year. This is a true story, Brian. She moved in and it was a piece of crap from the builder. I replaced the opener. I, I added a strut. I changed the bottom of it. I put Max Life Springs. I changed out of rollers. And I said, what I'm going to do for my mom, it used to be my grandma before she passed away, but I want to make a person, especially a woman, feel comfortable with what I'm about to do because mechanics is a complicated thing. And I wanted to make sure that I'm going to put the best and only what I would use for my mom on your house. Because yeah. I care a lot about my mom. I love her more than life. And that's important to me. And that's why I think conversion rate, they got to learn about you. They got to connect with you. I play with the dog. I give the dog a treat when I walk in a house. Yeah. All that stuff's fun. And the last thing is, this is a tough one, is I used to hate talking about this. Our first podcast was a long time ago. And I, probably back then I hated this. But culture seems to be one that just, it's like this thing that people don't understand. It's, it's kind of like spirit or faith you know, culture. So how do you, I didn't understand culture until we got into EOS entrepreneurial operating system. That was a game changer for us because in EOS, you have to determine your essentially what your culture is. And the culture is kind of the personality of your business. Who are you? Who do you stand for? What are you all about? And so for us, we have our core values, you know, we, we care about each other and, and about our customers. We step it up. You know, we always want to be learning and growing and, and doing more. And that's, that's the culture. And when you have that in place, it's one thing to say it and put it up on a wall. It's another thing to live it and breathe it. You know, one of the things here at G4 Marketing is a rule. We never, ever, ever, ever argue with a client. Ever. They say this whatever it is, we're going to do it. We will not argue with a client. And if one of my people argues with a client, they get only one more chance because we just, it's just not something that we do. We were Unless with, they don't you know, give you access to your QuickBooks, then you better freaking argue with them. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's different. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, culture is one of those things where I just feel like you got to, it starts off, it starts off with your hiring and it starts out with everybody that rolls your eyes at a meeting, everybody that doesn't respect you, you right. need to eliminate. The bad apples kill everything. So I think the big thing with a bad culture is some of my top performers I had to let go. It's the hardest thing in the world to take a top revenue that pays our bills and tell them you're no longer welcome here. Go work for my competitor. And because you know they're going to go work for your biggest competitor and now they're going to be an earner for them. But man, when you get them out of the way, you watch all the other people rise up and say, wow. I mean, it gives me goosebumps because now everybody's going, man, he is serious. He cares about us. He right. wants the best for this business. He doesn't want liars, cheaters, and people. So it's letting go of the people you think you need and then telling people what you want. What do you want in this business? I want people to live a better life. I want them to smile more. I want to have fun. I mean, I'm a goofball. I've got all these toys everywhere. I've got Big Buck Hunter. And I've got Golden Tea and Ping Pong. And we've got the basketball hoop out here. We just, and it's almost like a kid's land. I, it's almost embarrassing that I, th that I think about it, but it's not about buying stuff. <laughs> Brian, can you, can you afford a dozen eggs and a couple pieces of bacon? 
I think so. I mean, anybody could that's listening. Can you cook for your employees every once in a while if you don't have a lot of money? You don't need to cater in. Can you can you stop somewhere and write a letter to somebody that's doing something really nice and send it to them in the mail and say, I was just thinking about you. I, I just was at Fuddruckers Burgers and I thought about you. They got this little jungle gym. It would be a great, great place for you to bring your son, Jake. And yeah. I just said, I had this martini and I figured you'd like it. And I figured I'd send it doesn't take long to call a guy and say, you know what, dude, I never really told you this, but you are, you are crushing it. You're one of the best employees I've ever hired. And thanks because you made my life a better, better for me and my family. And I want to do the same back to you, but that doesn't take much. And I could do a lot more of it. And I, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here, but so many times we don't take the time and don't create, we, it's the leaders. It's if, if you, if you suck, look in the mirror, you can't blame anybody else. You can't find great people right. it's because you're not a great person. You're not great until you become the best version of yourself. It's really hard to do well in a culture. And, and I always blamed everybody. Everybody else was the problem except for me. Right. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I try yeah. harder. I'm smarter, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, but now, but now, but now we know better. It's entirely a reflection of who we are. Look at your business. It's a reflection of who you are. You know, you want a better business. You want better people. You, like you said, you got to look, look in the mirror. Right. And you know, the other thing too, you said interesting before is internal customers. A lot of people don't understand what that means. Who is your internal customer? They're the people that are forward facing to your customer. They're the people that work for you. And you have to, if you are all about, if you're telling your internal customer, oh, we have to get five-star reviews, we have to do amazing work for, for our customers, and then you treat them like crap, there's, a, there's an incongruent, it's not congruent, right? And so how you want them to treat your customers the way you have to treat them. Yeah, you know it's what? We well, to figure that whole culture thing out. You know, we, we do the five love languages and we, for business. Really? Yeah, in and the business for the five love languages for business. When you get hired, part of your onboarding, and what I want to know is what you need. Some people need words of affirmation. They want that attaboy. Some people like quality time. I'll take them out to lunch. I'll spend time with them. Some people like gifts. Some people like when you understand what motivates people. When you understand their personalities, the predictive index, it gives you the ability to find out. I, me and Brian. My, my service manager, we didn't, I wouldn't say not get along, but he didn't really respect me at that level because he'd work really hard at something and he'd want a lot of acknowledgement. And I'd look at it and go, dude, you killed it. Great work. He'd go, I spent two days working on this. And he said in less than 10 seconds, great work. Yeah. I learned that I'm not going to be able to give him the time and effort and energy for an hour because I would lose my mind and pull my hair out. But he learned that if I could give him 10 quality minutes and shut my phone off and listen to him and acknowledge him and smile, he learned, Tommy, that's more than you give for anybody else. I'm happy. And when I learned that he didn't want 30 seconds, I bumped up my game. And wow, the communication, you know, private equity companies, this is what they do. They find out what piece is missing in the communication. Interesting. What's your love language? I'm, well, I I love gifts. I love uh, gifts. Gifts are like, I'm one of those guys that has to pay most of the time. Like I love being able to do things for people. Quality time is probably my worst one because unfortunately my time's been robbed from me to build this business for a long time. But I'll tell you from, from people looking in on me, I feel like I like, I like it when, cause I'm the business owner. So nobody really says, what is it? The bank going to call me and say, good, good job, brother. You paid your bills. Right. Right. But it's kind of nice to hear from my dad. Just, you know, I'm really proud of you. You did well. And, 
when we're golfing together and stuff like that. I, I don't know what I, I've taken a test and the test I've taken it two times. It was different, but you know what you do is you trust the first time you take it, then you take it a year later because your life oh. changes. Okay. So in any personality test you take, go with the gut reaction and then don't take that test again until a year later, later, but different things in your life cause you to change. And, and the predictive, predictive index is spot on, man. I mean, it, it's changed our, our business. Cool. But hey, man, this is cool. I could go on for days, Great. but I'm sure we've gone long enough. But why don't you give us one final thought for the audience? My final thing is I got this book sitting on my desk and grabbing the first one I see, but this is a pretty cool book. It's called Creative Competitive Advantage. And I, I read it because our manufacturer gave it to us years ago. And, and it just tells us how to be different when it comes to creating advantage. It's not because you do background checks and drug tests. The creative advantages that you have in your business, the unique selling propositions, not because you're night and weekends and background checks. It's because actual things you do in your business that differentiate you. Like out of the last 90 installs, 87 of them were on time and three of them were resolved within 15 minutes or 15 hours, whatever that might be. And I'd love for you to call the last three customers that had an issue to show you how we solve them. And they're real customers and they're expecting a call just like you may be expecting a call. We're not going to have an issue with you, but we might have you be a testimonial for us if we do an amazing job. So I just had that here. I really, what is your, leave us with something good here. You know, my, my thing is I see way too many contractors are working way too hard for way too little. And right now with the environment that we're in and this home improvement, really a home improvement boom. My thing is watch your numbers. Don't, you should be making a lot of money right now, a lot of money. And if you don't have your finger on your finances and you don't understand whether you're making money or not making money, that's where you need to slow down so you can speed up because it's at the end of the day, you have to make money. It's not about turning money. It's about actually being able to bring in money so that you could do all the things that you want to do with your business, with your family, with your personal life, with your future. And don't give that up. Don't give that up because you're afraid to charge right or that you're too busy to look at the numbers. You might have taught me this saying, and I got it. I say it every day and I almost thought I created it, but I know I didn't. I'm, I'm going to give credit to where it's due, but revenue is for vanity and profits for sanity. Yeah. It's something I say all the time is yeah. revenue is great. Everybody brags about revenue. Mm -hmm. I did 200 million, I did 500,000, whatever it is. I've started bragging about how much I'm actually bringing home because that's the money I could spend. So right. that's a great last note. And Brian, this is so cool to do two podcasts and be able to share the audience and hopefully people go back to both of ours. There's some of my podcasts I just feel like are filled with passion and excitement. And then there's some that are like how to get more PPP money and yeah. how to understand how to get that loan forgiven and whatnot. But I like strategy with passion with techni technical, but uh, I really appreciate being on yours and this is going to be killer for the audience. And it was a lot yeah, of fun. Thanks man. And thanks for having me. And Tommy, where do, where do people get, get your book? Yeah. The home service forward slash free. They yeah. download it on audible. Audible's killer because I tell a lot of stories I'm a fast talker. I pronunciate well, or at least I did in the recording studio. <laughs> and, and I had a lot of fun with it. So I'd say get the Audible version. I don't make any money. You know, Audible takes like 80%, yeah. but 
Yeah, people, it's funny. People think that, oh, I'm going to go buy your book on Amazon and you're going to make a whole bunch of money. And you get, I get, I get like, oh, I forgot what it was, but I get these, yeah, I get like these little checks from Amazon for the longest time. I'm like, why are they sending me these little, little checks? And I finally figured out where, where it was coming from. (laughs) All right, man. So I'll close out, I'll close out my, my podcast. So this is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Tommy, (laughs) your energy level is dude it's off the charts i learned stuff from from you you know congratulations on everything that's going on with your business it's really incredible to see everything that you're that you're doing and for all of my listeners go go check out go check out this book it's just another tool in your arsenal you know here's another guy that started with nothing and has built a pretty incredible incredible business so again, thanks, thanks for being on. This is the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. I'm Brian Kaskavalsian with G4 Marketing Group. And until next time. Thanks, Brian. Make sure you read Brian's book too, guys. This is killer. And he sent me the transcript and it smiles from days to days. It's a small book full of gold nuggets. So appreciate you having me on, Brian. All right, so that's it for today's episode of the Wealthy Contractor Podcast. Let me ask you, Did it help you look at your business in a new way? Did it spark an idea or ideas you hadn't thought of before? Do you have a list of action items that you can take and implement into your business or your life today? I really hope so. Now, before you go, make sure you subscribe to the Wealthy Contractor Podcast so you get access to the latest episodes as soon as they're available. We're always striving to provide you with great content so you don't want to miss what's coming up. And a favor, I'd really appreciate it if you'd go to iTunes and post a review of this podcast. Let us know how we're doing. The Wealthy Contractor Podcast is brought to you by G4 Marketing Group, where we help contractors of all kinds create customers, keep customers, and multiply their customers and profits. If you're interested in reaching new levels of success for your company, visit www.gfourmarketing.com or just call us at 305-856-8788 to schedule your free, no obligation, wealthy contractor strategy session. Now, during this strategy session, we're going to look at eight key performance factors in your business And we're going to help you uncover opportunities for growth, for leads, for sales, and for profit. And finally, we started the Wealthy Contractor as a resource to help you, the home improvement entrepreneur, regardless of where you are on the wealthy scale, get where you want to go. We want to provide you with the motivation, the confidence, the resources, and the tools so you too can live the life of the wealthy contractor. Now, the wealthy contractor is a place where it's okay for you to want it all. In fact, it's not only okay, it's encouraged. So until next time, this is Brian Kaskovalsian with G4 Marketing.